Today on Ag News Daily. You know, a priority that, that we have from a team standpoint is, one, we've got we've to build on existing machine forms and our, it was designed to be retrofittable. And so really what we have is you can take a, a late model 8R. Good afternoon and happy Tuesday from the Ag News Daily Podcast. It's Ashton Carr. And I almost forgot what day it was. I feel like it's already been a long week this week and we're only on Tuesday. So I know that I'm really going to be slugging along here for the rest of the week. Not sure why I'm having one of those weeks, but here we are. I really don't have a whole lot of chit chat. You know, when Delaney's on, I always like to sit here and talk to her, but since I'm by myself, things are a little awkward. So I'm going to go ahead and just kick things off with our news talk for today. And we've seen now that 10 poultry company execs reportedly face a new trial next month on charges of price fixing and bid rigging. According to DTN, the second trial is set for February 22nd after a jury failed to reach a verdict back in December. The defendants are from Pilgrim's Pride and Claxton Poultry Farms. Their attorneys asked for acquittal, saying there wasn't enough evidence to prove conspiracy. However, that motion was denied. So we will continue to see how this plays out next month. Another thing that we've been seeing play out from a world perspective is protests. And we have seen some now coming from Spain as farmers, cattle breeders, hunters, and opposition supporters descended Sunday in the Spanish capital of Madrid to protest environmental and economic policies by Spain's left-of-center government that they say are hurting rural communities. Sunday's protest was organized by Alma Rule 2021, which is a platform representing over 500 rural orgs from all corners of Spain. Members of opposition parties ranging from centrist to far-right supporters also attended this protest. Tractors and bull carts headed this march into Madrid with protesters walking from the gates of the Ecology Transmission Ministry, which was the previous Environment Ministry, to the Ag Ministry. Among the many banners held by protesters, one read, Farmers Speak, Who's Listening?, so another one that we're going to have to see continue to play out here, you know, this is one that is kind of a political issue here, as some of the previous protests we've seen are. So going to keep my ears to the ground when it comes to this one, because I think that it's interesting to see, you know, producers from across the globe really stick up for what they believe in. So definitely going to be looking out for some news when it comes to the Spanish government and what they have to say about this. Coming back here to North America, Canadian farmers say they are just days away from running out of feed for cattle due to severe drought last summer, damaging crops needed to fatten them up over winter and transportation bottlenecks. The drought that devastated the prairie pastures has now forced feedlots in Alberta to buy more U.S. corn. Moving it north of the border is difficult and costly, however. And like I talked about yesterday, the new COVID-19 vaccine mandates are making things even more difficult. And it is being reported that there really isn't a buffer here for feedlots, you know, at least for the one that was featured in this Reuters article. But Definitely, my heart goes out to these beef producers that are struggling in Canada. You know, 
like I said, they're not really a buffer when it comes to cattle feed. So I'm interested to see how this plays out if we're going to see any kind of take back of this COVID-19 vaccine mandate. You know, I don't really foresee that happening, but when it comes to a problem solving, you know, something definitely needs to happen here or else these producers are going to be in even deeper trouble. Have a lot of news here today, interestingly enough, and this piece of news comes from Indonesia as they are conducting early tests to produce gasoline made from palm oil as it seeks to expand the use of vegetable oil in its energy sector. To absorb more of its palm oil output and slash fuel imports, Indonesia launched a mandatory B30 biodiesel, which is 30% palm oil, which is one of the highest palm oil concentrations used in biofuel globally. Indonesia is aiming to increase the palm oil content in the biodiesel and use it to produce other fuels. It conducted a test flight using jet fuel mixed with palm oil last year and plans to do road tests for biodiesel containing 40% palm fuel are set to be done next month. Biodiesel makes up for 38% of Indonesia's domestic palm oil consumption just last year. So it sounds like things are trending upward here. Going to continue to look out for some of these, I guess I should call them specialty biodiesels because, you know, we're seeing soy oil and jet fuel, palm oil and jet fuel and, you know, on road vehicles as well here. So I think it's interesting the way that we're coming up with different solutions to this global issue. As my final piece of news here, ending things back domestically, as the Supreme Court said they would hear one of the cases against the waters of the U.S. rule. The High Court will review the Ninth Circuit's ruling in the Sackett versus EPA case to determine if the lower court used the proper tests to determine if wetlands were truly waters of the U.S. under the Obama-era Clean Water Act. Pacific Legal Foundation attorney Charles Yates told Brownfield Ag News that he's hopeful the high court abandons the former Justice Anthony Kennedy's, quote, significant nexus test and favors the definition from former Justice Antonin Scalia. If the EPA moves forward with yet another definition of waters of the U.S. right now, Yates says that it might be a wasted effort. He was quoted as saying, if the Biden administration does proceed with the rulemaking without waiting for the much needed guidance from the Supreme Court, it might be proceeding with the knowledge that the risk of that rulemaking could be all for naught. With that, I am all out of news for today. So I'm going to go ahead and head into the markets here as we saw some strength in the grain markets. Mixed trade here in the corn contract, though, as the March contract was down a cent and a quarter to close at 619 and three quarters. The May up three quarters to close at 618 and a quarter. In soybeans, the March contract up three and a half to close at 1406 and a half. The May up four cents to close at 1415. In KC wheat, the March contract up 16 and a quarter to close at 834 and a quarter. Heading over into livestock, had some mixed trade here and some increased strength in the cattle markets today. The February live cattle contract up 77 and a half cents to close at 137.10. The April up two and a half cents to close at 140.10. 
in feeder cattle. The March contract down $1.40 to close at $159.85. The April down $1.10 to close at $165.27.5. Continued strength from yesterday in lean hogs. The February contract is up $1.12.5 to close at $87.45. The April up $1.92.5 to close at $97.25. And rounding things out with our class three dairy milk futures. Weakness across the board here as the February contract is down 50 cents to close at 1995 and the March down 74 cents to close at 2081. Now let's kick it over to my conversation with Joe Leifer about John Deere's autonomous tractor. Well, I am very excited for today's Hashtag Tech Tuesday conversation because we're talking about the autonomous tractor with Joe Leifer, who is the Senior Product Manager of Autonomy over at John Deere. So, Joe, thank you so much for coming on and chatting with us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. So before we really get started here talking about this autonomous tractor, you work in autonomy, and I just think that that title is very interesting. I love that you guys have an autonomy department of sorts because, you know, the world of technology, especially ag technology, is ever-changing. So why don't you tell us a little bit more about what you do in your position and really how you got there? Yeah, no, I, I've, I've got a, a super exciting and fun job. And I've been with Deer for for almost 17 years, and and worked in a variety of uh, product lines and, and parts of the organization. Um, but spent spent a lot of time with our our self propelled sprayers as we we've grown that business through um, some of the acquisitions like like Haggy Manufacturing, as well as as we've rolled out some of the the technology in Exact Apply, as well as the the journey we're on with CN Spray. And so all of that kind of led me to having the opportunity to be a product manager for Autonomy. And and I mean it's my job and privilege to get to go out and talk to farmers. What do they need uh, in an autonomous solution? Why do they want it? Um, how do they want us to develop it? And so I work with farmers on the front end and then work with our development teams to, to draft requirements. And then I also get to work with, with farmers as we go out and, and we've been you know testing with some cooperators. And now and then as we're starting to do a, a limited release of autonomy, you know, talk to them about, are you, you know, does this product meet your needs and, and what do you want to see in the next evolution of it? So it's, it's super fun and, and exciting as we bring this new tech to, to market. So I'm interested to know a little bit more about really what you're hearing from the industry when it comes to autonomy. I think that there is a good mix of conversation just based on what I've seen on social media about what people think about autonomous equipment in the ag industry. So what are you hearing back from you know folks that you're working with? Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, right, we're, we're developing this technology for a purpose. It's a it's to be another another tool for farmers to use if it's right for their operation. And so what we're hearing from farmers is, um, you know, the 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 way they have to divide their time, right? There's always so many jobs to get done on the farm and there's never enough hours in the day. And so if we could bring them autonomy to let them free themselves up from sitting in the tractor seat, and then they can go do something else, right? Whether that's an on-the-farm job, spending time with livestock, spending time with family, or, or being an active member in the community, you know, it gives them the confidence that 
that a job is going to get done out in the field. And then, you know, from a guilt-free standpoint, right, they can go do something else. Um, and, and honestly, right, we had a great testimonial of one of our cooperators this fall where um, they were in a good position with Harvest. Uh, he had autonomous tillage running and uh, I mean, he went and caught his son's football game. Right. And so it's just, it's really cool to be a part of, of bringing this type of technology to, to farms and allowing farmers then to, you know, just control their time even better. Right. It's a precious resource. And so that, that is ultimately what they're asking us to do and why farmers are interested in autonomy. So let's go ahead and get down to business here and talk about this fully autonomous tractor that you guys revealed earlier this year. What kind of technology is being used here? Because I've read that there's kind of a combination of new and old tech. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And and as we're developing it, you know, a priority that that we have from a team standpoint is one, we've got to we've got to build on existing machine forms and it was designed to be retrofittable. And so really what we have is you can take a, a late model 8R. Uh, in, in under eight hours, you can add the components to that tractor to make it fully autonomous. And so, you know, we will be able to bolt onto new tractors as well as, as, as retrofit onto late model tractors that farmers already have on their, uh, in their machine shed. And so really what we do is we've got an incredible base that we're building off of with the John Deere 8R, as well as all of our precision ag technology that farmers are using today. And so it really starts with a Starfire receiver, right? And the, the self-driving GPS that farmers have been using in the field for, for over 20 years. And so farmers, as they, they want to get comfortable with the idea of autonomy, right? They can do that with products that are in the market today. So the idea of AutoTrack, AutoTrack turn automation, implement guidance, and AutoPath, all of those are foundational for how we're building our autonomous solution. Um, but ultimately, as you take that 8R, you take the precision egg offerings that we have today, then we're adding six stereo cameras to this tractor. Those six stereo cameras give us a 360 degree, degree visibility around the equipment, including the implement. And that ultimately becomes the eyes for us as we, we run this equipment autonomous in the field. And so we've been training these stereo cameras uh, through computer vision and machine learning to recognize the environment around them. You know, are they in drivable terrain? Where's the trees and the sky and the scene? And so that's what it's looking for. And then as other large objects, humans, vehicles would, would happen to enter, you know, in front of the tractor's path, it's going to recognize that as something that shouldn't be there. It'll bring the tractor to a stop. And then we'll use, you know, our JD Link technology, you know, our, our uh, telecommunications between the tractor and the cloud uh, to send a signal signal to the farmer's operation center mobile account, well, they'll get a notification that says, hey, your, your autonomous tractor has uh, incurred, a, incurred a, an object. You know, how do you want to handle that? And then the farmer will be able to, to manage that, that equipment from anywhere. And they can either, you know, have it shut down. Maybe they're close and they want to come move what's in front of the tractor themselves. Or maybe they just want it to route around, leave an area of the field untilled and keep working. Um, they'll, they'll be able to give the tractor permission to do that. And, and we'll keep that, that machine productive. So I want to know a little bit more about the configuration process. It sounds a little bit advanced. So can we just kind of walk through that configuration process, maybe to just ease a listener's nerves a little bit, because from the sounds of it, you know, it's pretty easy to do from home, but at the same time with all of this new technology, perhaps could get a little confusing. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's something our, our team from a, from a user experience and a user interface is, is definitely taking seriously. And, you know, that's one of the reasons why we've been working with cooperators to get, to get feedback on setup and configuration, as well as, as we have it, uh, you know, the limited availability this fall with, with, with farmers, um, we'll continue to make changes on that user interface. But really, because I said, you know, we're, we're building this on top of existing precision ag technology, they will manually drive the, the tractor and tillage tool to the field. They will then do um, some setup on the command center in, in the tractor cab. Um, and we'll have a, what we call an autonomy setup wizard. Um, so they can go through and make sure they're, they're selecting their field boundaries, they're configuring true set and, and any kind of uh, guidance uh, inputs that we need. And then also ultimately they'll, they'll uh, put it into autonomous mode, which will be a button on the, on the command center. And then the tractor will, will plan its guidance lines and, and how it wants to, to autonomously, you know, till that field. The farmer will be able to visually see that. They'll be able to confirm that they, they're aligned with that route. Um, and then as they step out of the tractor cab, they'll, they'll pull their smartphone out of their fo- uh, pocket. They'll open up operation center mobile and then they'll, they'll be able to approve motion and at that point they can they can walk away and then from there they'll they'll continue to use operation center mobile to monitor that job as they go somewhere else so they'll be able to see you know real-time video from from the tractor uh, on their cell phone they can select any of the six cameras to see you know whether it's front side rear views of of what's going on with that job and then as well, right, we want them to have confidence that, you know, we know, you know, ground conditions and the environment changes as the day goes on. Um, they'll be able to make some remote adjustments to the operation from their cell phone, right? And then it'll, it'll those, those adjustments like speed or depth would automatically be adjusted as that tractor is working in their field. And so, you know, the cell phone becomes really then the, the interface um, to that tractor and the job it's doing going forward. But but from a from a setup standpoint, uh, in a in a product usage standpoint, we're really using um, the existing things that that a farmer is used to in the command center and, and operation center today, and so we're trying to minimize the step from you know highly automated and the farmer sitting in the seat to fully autonomous as they step out of the cab. We're trying to make that step as small as possible. You mentioned Operations Center Mobile, and I want to dive into that a little bit deeper. For our audience that might not be familiar with Deer products, is that a new feature that you guys have, or is this something existing? And what might users be able to see in total in the Operations Center Mobile? Yeah, great question. So today, farmers have the ability to use John Deere Operations Center on the web. So, you know, from their home office or, or from a tablet, as well as uh, Operations Center mobile uh, on, on their smartphone. And so what they can do today with Operations Center is really... Uh, um, monitor their whole farm, even though it's getting farmed manually, right? Uh, they can understand where equipment is, if it's working or not. They can get um, some, you know, machine vitals from that that fleet of equipment to start to make remote management decisions. And so ultimately, it's that same, that same application that they use today. Uh, we will then add um, an autonomy card um, to it where, where they use the same app, um, they can look at, say, how their combine is performing in a, in, a, in a different field, and then they can switch over to their autonomous 8R and, and control that tractor and understand, right, how's fuel, death levels, 
Um, what's wheel slip look like? What speed is it running? What depth is it running at? Um, and so it's, it's things that they're used to using today in the John Deere ecosystem will, will continue to be used going forward. Um, we just add a little bit more functionality for, you know, live camera feeds, um, seeing, seeing different, uh, images from the, from, from the equipment as it incurs an obstacle, um, or, or to make remote adjustments. And so it's really just an enhancement to, uh, the existing operation center mobile that they're used to today. Well, Joe, this conversation has been very interesting, and I suspect that conversations surrounding autonomy are going to continue to be interesting as we develop some more tech here in the ag industry. But just want to extend another thank you for you coming on and chatting with us today about John Deere's autonomous tractor. No, thank you. It's it's exciting to get get to represent Deere here, and, and the the fun part of my job is continuing the conversation with farmers to understand how are they going to adopt autonomy into their operation, and and what features are they really looking for from Deere as we we roll out this tech. So we'll continue to get that feedback and and make adjustments to the product as we go forward. Thanks again there to Joe for coming on and chatting with me about autonomy at John Deere. This is definitely going to be a trend, I think, here in the ag tech world. So we'll continue to report on that here at the Ag News Daily podcast. You can always find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Ag News Daily. And you can also tune in to new episodes wherever you listen to your podcast or at agnewsdaily.com. With that, I'm going to let the people go.